Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, I'm getting, uh, well, uh, the truth is I'm very, 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 very busy at work. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I feel like, and I've been so busy at work for so long that I kind of feel like, um, I feel like I've accidentally ended up where you are with your intentional, like you stay off of film Twitter and thus like out of mm-hmm. a lot of the discourse. I'm there by accident, like, because I'm not, I don't know what's going on in the world of, of do you film, feel like it has benefited from that? No, I feel no. Okay. Be, spending less time on Twitter. Yes. I've benefited spending less sure. time on Twitter is a good thing that I would recommend a lot of people do, but as, but I, but as far as even not just Twitter, just like reading, you know, I subscribe to the weekly like film comment newsletter. I haven't read it in like a month and a half because I've yeah. just been so busy. And so I feel like I don't know what's going on in the world of film, but I do know that the Cannes film festival is back it's mm-hmm. happening in in July instead of May, like usual. People are there, um, and it even though I don't like, I, I haven't been following enough to know that much about like what films are playing or how people are feeling about them. The fact that a major film festival is back is making me just more excited about not the particular movies because, like I said, I'm not really having right. time to follow, but just excited about movies in general in a way that I been very cognizant of the fact that I have lost some of during the pandemic. Oh yeah. It's, you know, I mean, I uh, certainly going to, to theaters and I don't, I don't go to film festivals, but, um, but obviously a lot of, I, I watched a lot of movies week to week in class and that's a shared experience you have with students and you can talk with them immediately after and get their immediate reaction. That's not a thing that I could do uh, over zoom. Um, essentially right. I just, they just watched it on their own time. Um, and so, yeah, like all of these things coming back uh, is very exciting to me. And, and yeah, because I did know that can was going on right now. Uh, there's a couple of people I follow in letterbox that, that are there and, and we're, commenting on some of the movies that they saw and i just thought like all right this that definitely that and getting invited to in-person screenings yeah uh that to me is like the indicator that that things are mostly back in business you know um i did see that uh regal cinemas uh are going to have purchased the sherman oaks arc light i didn't even see that yeah, and they're going to be they're going to be opening that up, so that's kind of exciting. But uh, but yeah, I I just saw that, and so I was kind of excited that that theater is still going to remain at least. I mean, it's not going to be an arc light, but nothing's going to be an arc light. So yeah, so yeah, just all but of again, these all of these indicators. To, yeah, um, because I said I always point out that only the original Hollywood arc light was built from, uh, with the exception of the Cinerama Dome, was built from the ground up to be an arc light to be like the optimal experience where they like the you know the the designed each room so there's not really a bad seat which is true um every other arc light they just took over an existing theater and turned it into an arc light just just saying um i'm just i'm like that's one of my like la snob things that i've been here long enough that i remember when there was just the arc light there was just the one sure um and so i'm still uh i still insist on referring to that as the arc light like it's sort of like the arc light it's sort of like what happened with imax you know like uh, they started showing movies like in imax and it's like okay i realize that they're showing them that in some cases they they shot you know a film is shot in imax or at least part of it uh but i remember like amc theaters would be like oh you can see the imax show it's like well i mean yes i see what you're saying but i have an association with imax from when i was younger and that was a ridiculously large screen yeah you know what i mean and unless you're willing to do that i mean and i know that that's not all that it is but that is the the thing that i most associated with it like this yeah. like you and i saw uh shackleton's antarctic adventure narrated uh, by liam neeson is that right that sounds right to me yes yeah yeah and, um, and yeah and that was an imax documentary yeah yeah and how many and it makes okay. it makes a difference um <coughs> Uh, perks of uh, here's what happens. Listen, let me, let me give you a little tip. Um, 
starting at a young age, get in early into podcasting and then devote a ridiculous amount of your time and energy to a thing that relatively few people um, will ever hear. And occasionally you might get to get some free shit sent to you in the mail or go do some cool shit. So um, uh, that's my little scam is that I've worked 14 years of my life on my, on this passion project. Mm -hmm. And I got to see Blade Runner 2049 act the actual IMAX building in uh, uh, Playa Vista, I think is where it is. So that's like, so that's because you were talking about like Shackleton's, you know, there's all these like IMAX documentaries that you see mm-hmm. at like the science center and they like, but as far as like a movie, movie like a, uh, a, a, a first run, like, you know, studio, like movie, I've, um, the only one I can think of that I've actually seen like in IMAX is played under 2049. It was awesome. And that one, I think I mentioned this, that I saw that in Burbank. I went to the, the critic screening and they were showing it at like the Dolby. So it was like the best sound that I've ever heard. And with that movie, especially, it's just like, I feel it in my guts. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty, just this constant hum. Yeah. Because Dol- yeah. like, yeah. it's Dolby Atmos. Uh, who's the um, name of that? The, now just, uh, uh, oh, am I, am, is your internet bad again? No. Oh, okay. Cause you just acted like I wasn't talking and just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, right there might be a bit of a delay because okay. uh, I started to say something and then I saw you talking and I was like, I'm not, what is one of us being rude or is there a bit of a delay? I think it's probably a delay. A delay. So probably a delay. I, I was just talking about Dolby Atmos as a theatrical experience. And um, uh, I, I, I've seen a number of things and obviously there's a lot of Dolby Atmos screening rooms and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best use of Dolby Atmos I can think of that I've heard was in the, um, we just had this uh, conversation about what uh, the screening rooms at on the Fox lot are named. And I'm forgetting what the, the big one is. Um, is it the Zanuck? Uh, yeah, the Zanuck. Um, <laughs> at the Zanuck, I saw Life of Pi. And that was a beautiful, like the, obviously it's a beautiful movie, but the, the use of, of Atmos um, in a movie that takes place entirely like on the water, uh, was very, very cool. Did you see it in, in 3d? Cause I, yes, yeah, so it was in yeah. 3d. Yeah. Like I got the, the, the full treatment there on, on okay. life of pie. And, uh, maybe that's part of why I love that movie so much. I feel like when I feel like 3d is something that still happens. I mean, uh, pandemic aside, uh, like I feel like it peaked in like 20, 12, 13, 14, maybe. And movies still were made and put out in, in 3d, but I feel like it's just not talked about as much as it was during avatar and gravity and, uh, life of Pi. Um, so avatars, avatars, 2009, that really kicked it off. I mean, like there was, there was 3d before that. I saw me yeah, Robinson's yeah. in 3d and like, it was like 2007 or whatever. Um, yeah. there was but, a Piranha uh, 3d, uh, yeah, that was around the same time as Avatar, I think. Um, and I did see that in 3D. Yeah. Uh, but Avatar really, I think, um, uh, showed how, how well it can be done. I feel like Avatar is, like, you know what people say about, like, Jurassic Park, about how, like, the CG in Jurassic Park looks better, still, like, still holds up better than, like, mm-hmm. CG that was made years after. I feel like that's true of, like, the use of 3D in Avatar, that James Cameron just, like, nailed it. Oh yeah, and, three, and the three D Avatar was was so good, and I don't think I've ever seen anything that looked quite that good uh, uh, since. I don't even remember what the last thing because it used. To, I, I don't know if you remember. You go to press screenings like for, um, let's say, I'm going to say like Avengers: Age of Ultron or whatever. Yeah. At the at the ArcLight, and they would have they would have like gotten two rooms, and they'd ask you when you check in, do you want the three D or the two D? And I would always go two D. Like, I, yes. like I, I, I didn't, I didn't care. I can't remember the last time. Like, yeah, gravity was good. Um, but there's, there, there's not, and I saw that in 3d, but there's not a lot of things where I, where I care. Um, I saw Dr. Strange in 3d and that was great. That's like they really, uh, 15 or 16. I don't 16 remember exactly. Maybe? Okay. But, um, but I remember like when I think of like the really great 3d movies that I've seen, uh, in the theater avatar is one. I don't even like avatar that much, but yeah, that 3d is amazing. Life of Pi is another one. And then Dr. Strange. Those are 
Oh, and gravity. I did see gravity in 3D as well. And I saw, I've seen others, but I don't even really remember them. Let me ask you, we're so far off topic. We haven't even started the topic. Um, but you mentioned that you don't like Avatar. Okay. How do you, I forget, where are you on Titanic? Uh, I mostly like it. Okay. Because I love both those movies. And I think, um, uh, I, I, and I feel like Titanic was by the sort of, what's uh, 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 the cool crowd or whatever, not accepted very much at the time because it was like, big and gushy you know right. you know romance and and like um you know we generally tend to treat things that are like for girls i guess as sure. being less of less worth which is yeah certainly uh, at the time I, I yeah I, I didn't yeah um uh i think i'm on the right side of history on that one i think i liked titanic from the uh from the time but maybe i'm just like revising my own history to make myself sound cooler but i think i liked it anyway but i definitely love it now and i feel like the uh, opinion has caught up now like people who like cinephiles i think generally think very highly of titanic yeah. now and i wonder where the needle currently is on avatar um because i feel like that's one of those movies that when i saw i loved it before when i saw it but i like fully recognized all of the things that are uh just really just James Cameron trademark dumb about the movie yeah. um, in terms of, of, of dialogue and how thin uh, and, and derivative the, the plot is and stuff like that. And I recognize all those things at a time, but uh, at the time, but the more it's one of those movies where the further I get away from it, the less I'm bothered by those sort of piddling things. And the more I think about just what uh, just a, a, a badass fucking experience avatar i saw it twice in the theater 3d both times because remember they, know, they, they really they released the director's cut in the yes, theater i saw so right. i saw it once and then i saw the director's cut yeah and you know what um i mean i haven't seen it since i saw it in the theater and i know that i have changed as a, as a movie watcher and i i think i can appreciate um spectacle a lot i mean i appreciated it at the time but um you know, I, for me, like that is, an, that is a, a rough script. And those are with the exception of Stephen Lang, like non-existent characters. And I think that is a difference between Titanic and Avatar um, because you have two very charismatic leads and a right. really, a, a, a nice bunch of supporting characters. Oh yeah. But, a, a, a murderer's row of, of, uh, yeah. And, and great actors. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay. uh, uh, but yeah, but I do think that I feel like if I were to rewatch Avatar, I, I feel like I would probably, I almost feel like I would have to like it more now because I really didn't like it at the time. And almost everything had to, all, all my problems had to do with the, the storytelling and, and the themes and also the, the characters and all that. But I still, I still appreciated this other, like the spectacle, but I feel like, yeah, but I think maybe arguably it was always more about the spectacle than anything else. Um, and that the story was maybe just something to hang the spectacle on. And maybe that, you know, that, that idea of the style is the substance. And so maybe, maybe I would embrace it more now. Yeah. But I think there's something more than to it than just style. I think. Sure. When you get the thing with James Cameron's movies, especially his best movies um, is that like, it's sort of the same with like um, the, the first matrix, I think like a lot of the dialogue is dumb yeah. in, in that too, but I feel like it's tapped into something that's primal, something below like the, the, if you, if you're thinking about the corny dialogue, you're not committing yourself to the heart of the movie. You're, you're standing me outside, but if you let yourself into the heart of the movie, it doesn't matter because it's tapped into something that's real and primal and almost universally human. Yeah, the, the, the concept of that is, is something I've been trying to embrace more, at, with the idea of the essence uh, of, yeah, of like, important. tapping into a certain essence that, like, yes, this dialogue, like, if you, you're not necessarily being a stickler if you say that this dialogue is bad, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but it's also, it's big. The, these movies tend to be big as far as like their ideas yeah. uh, and the dialogue sort of reflects that bigness. And so it's going to be a little bit broad and that's actually, I'm not sure if I'd say it's an asset, but 
or, or a virtue, but it, it, it does seem to be part of it. Yeah. It couldn't and, exist in the way it does without that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so favorite Cameron. Hmm. I thought this would be easy for you. Cause I know you're a big aliens guy. Either aliens or the first Terminator, honestly. Yeah, the first Terminator is a better, uh, 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 yeah, com- uh, contender for me. But I think I might have to just go with my gut and go with Titanic. I think Titanic might be my favorite James Cameron movie. It's, I mean, he's a he's a he's a very solid filmmaker. We've talked about this before. That like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, like he's the kind of filmmaker that I loved when I was younger, and just because he's a big picture filmmaker, a big a big storyteller. And I liked that. And then, you know, you get older and you get a little bit film snobby and you start to see some of the not great aspects of him as a writer. Uh, and he does insist on writing all of his movies, which maybe isn't always the best. But uh, and then you start to get a little bit. And the idea of a, of a big picture uh, mainstream filmmaker is something that is like sort of anathema to us. Uh, and then you move away from him. And then I think you get older, you get even older and you're like, no, these, these are pretty monumental cinematic achievements. What is the, uh, I know I've, I've paraphrased it before. I'm trying to remember the quote from Roger Ebert's review of Congo, but it's something about, um, like, uh, false sophisticates will mock it and real sophisticates will embrace it or something like that. Right. And I think that's what happened. Like, I think we, a lot of us, we have to go through the the period it's like a growing thing a lot of cinephiles have to go through the period of being false sophisticates of being like no we're too good for yeah. uh for that and then yeah circling back around to to anyway yeah, this was a a fun uh, i'll cap this uh james cameron conversation off by saying uh i'm not gonna bore you by telling you all the details of my dream because people hate when they do that but i did recently have a dream that my wife and i got invited to a, a small VIP private screening of Avatar 2 at James Cameron's house. Wow. Yeah. How was it? Uh, that's the funny part. I was super excited about it and it sucked. Like, <laughs> the, like the sort of like conflict of the dream was like James Cameron. I don't know how I'm going to hide from James Cameron how much he's like sitting right behind me in this dream. And this movie is terrible. <laughs> That's a, I do like that level of specificity, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the dream. Um, um, but, uh, before we, um, I'm glad we talked about like avatar and James Cameron, like sort of big sort of geeky stuff, mm. because that sort of fits in with, uh, what we'll be talking about today. Before we get to that, I want to, uh, tell you, uh, Tyler about, or, or are you the listener about, TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, I was listening. I should have... I normally try to like look up some fun facts um, uh, beforehand about um, like metal stuff I was listening to. So I won't do that. Instead, I'll say... Okay, Tyler, let me ask you a question. Okay. Can you name some songs that you could and have happily listened to multiple times in a row? Just like a song that you enjoy listening to so much that when it's over, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll hit, I'll hit, uh, I'll go to repeat. I'll hit that again. Oh boy. Um, I mean, I'll, frankly, a lot. Yeah. Uh, Burning, you were Love, talking... uh, Burning Love by Elvis. Um, okay. And uh, I don't know why uh, it's usually songs that I, that I am able to sing um, because I do uh, okay. enjoy singing. I, and I should say that I'm going to, I am going to drop my lawsuit against Gogol Bordello. Uh, they are not the reason that my <laughs> right. throat was sore last week. In fact, I did get sick and I am sick now. And so I apologize if my voice is a little bit off or if I, you know, sniff into the mic, sniffle into the mic or whatever. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so I mean, there are, there are multiple songs that I will uh, listen to like two or three times in a row. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, there's a lot for me too. Uh, but a big thing is songs that have like 
multiple sections like mm. movements within a song like good vibrations is one that it's like sure. it's a, because it goes on a whole journey or the one that i not only listen to this song multiple times a day then but then in through my tweet audio.com earbuds uh went and listened to a couple of covers of this song and that's uh, madonna's like a prayer mm. um it's such a great uh catchy song and then like i listened to a uh 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 just like a piano only sort of downbeat Tori Amos cover of it. That was okay. And then I listened like the other direction. I listened to a very, very recent Miley Cyrus live version of it. That like was so emotional. Uh, Miley Cyrus does nothing but cover. Uh, she just does cover songs all the time uh, now. And uh, I think a lot of her fans are getting over it, but I'm into it because she recently covered heaven or Las Vegas by the Cocteau twins. And I was like, I like the idea that she's turning people on to the Cocteau Twins. Anyway, all of this stuff, Madonna, Miley Cyrus, Cocteau Twins, it all sounds great in your tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Um, normally, in a normal year, this, uh, <laughs> this week would be our San Diego Comic-Con preview. Now there is a uh, for the second year in a row there is going to be a San Diego Comic Con at home with 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 uh, streaming panels and um, and stuff like that and and last last year was a lot of fun and we'll probably do some sort of wrap up in a couple weeks um, yeah um, maybe we'll ask Kyle to come back or someone that'd be um, fun but uh, but also for the second year, we didn't want to do a preview of just the streaming things so last year we did like a fun like comic-con memories podcast this year we like we exhausted all our comic-con memories i guess um not really i have 13 years of comic-con memories i yeah. could have done like an entire second episode and not repeated myself but um uh instead we just we just decided to do something uh geeky um and like i said i'm really glad we got into that like james cameron discussion because i remember at comic-con 2009 um there were uh, uh, like the uh, the lamp posts all had like avatar eyes uh, hanging from the, all all over the mm. uh, the the gas lamp. That was like a big thing they were that was being promoted. I guess that was because um, that's that's a Fox movie Avatar. Am I right? Twentieth Century yeah. Fox. Um, and this is obviously before Disney owned Fox and before Disney owned the the uh lamppost at comic-con now i don't know for like the past 10 years the the banners on the lamppost and the gas lamp have always been disney usually something marvel hmm. um they seem to have really locked on it that seems to happen like you see the same like companies use the same like building rat like like uh i don't know what's going to be on petco park but it's going to be something that's airing on abc or whatever right. like that's always uh anyway that's enough comic-con talk we decided to do something geeky and um, which is kind of out of weirdly out of the, my comfort zone, even though I came up with this topic. Um, but one thing people are geeky about is collecting the yes. thing that you and I collect. Well, you collect, you have an actual collection of Riddler uh, figure figurines yeah, and uh, other ephemera. Yeah. I think, I think maybe my Riddler collection is geekier than anything you have. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, yeah, I have other like, lame stuff like yeah you know i belong to multiple wine clubs that's sure. pretty lame yeah but that's but i don't know that's, that's not geeky yeah that's super Different. grown up though uh like you seem really classy um i guess yeah um let's, not really. let's put it this way anytime i go to target f for groceries or whatever i will have to swing by the toy aisle just to 
just to see if there's a new one. And sometimes there is, and that's a very exciting day for me. Um, you don't have but, to do that no, <laughs> for your, no, I don't, your yeah. wine. But yeah. um, you and I do both have collections of movies, Blu-rays and, and DVDs. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be fun to go through um, five each of the Blu-rays and DVDs that we own that sort of like in Marie Kondo speak, they spark joy, you know? Yeah. There's something about them uh, beyond just, this is the Blu-ray of a movie that I really like, <laughs> you know? Um they, 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 they spark joy. Um, so I think I'll start Okay. because I have one that I know is not on your list. Cause you texted me and said you were sad. You got rid of it. Yeah. But I have, I wish we are, this isn't a Patreon. So I can't like be showing off the, right. um, the packaging, but I have this, what do these cost at, at they're at, like, at, they were $4. Well, they notably okay. were not $5. Yeah. So that I remember. The, the Walgreens by us in, when we lived in um, Chicago had just a whole bin of $4 DVDs. Um, and so uh, we both bought and I, I hold on to, I held on to, you didn't. Um, a DVD of Nosferatu, the first vampire directed by FW, FW Mirau's Symphony of Horror mm-hmm. with um, music by Type O Negative which I was like super uh, um, excited. I was like, oh, wow, there's like a score by Typo Negative, but it's not, yeah. it's just a bunch of Typo Negative songs. And yeah. weirdly, the did music we watch video- this together? I forget. I think we did. Okay. The music video for the Typo Negative song, Black Number One, has nothing <laughs> to do with, <laughs> with Nasratu. It's just, they just threw it on there, I guess. We were, yeah, we were watching it and I think, and we're like, let's listen to it with the, with the typo negative score. Cause I, for, I forget if there are two different scores, one like a more traditional and one, the typo negative. I don't remember, but, uh, but yeah, so we were, we were watching it. And when it became clear that they were just playing typo negative songs, one right after another, while the movie was playing, uh, I remember we were both like, well, this film's in the public domain. Yeah. So any number of DVD companies have put it out, but I'm pretty sure typo negative is not like this feels illegal. This feels wrong. Our first thought was like, Oh, typo negative. Maybe they're big fans of Nosferatu. And, uh, and they wrote this score. uh, And then our, and then I think we fell back to, it's like, well, maybe they're big fans of Nosferatu and simply author, you know, allowed their music to be used. But yeah, it's the music doesn't, the person did not uh, did not try to match the song yeah, with what yeah. was happening on screen, and it was ridiculous. All right, um, I'm happy it exists though, and I I'm I had gotten a nice like two disc uh, Nosferatu for Christmas a few years ago, and so I got rid of that one, and uh, it is a regret, uh, just on principle. <laughs> I wish that I I wish that I still had it. Uh, all right, what's uh, what's your first one? Well. Uh, you mentioned now I, I will say it's tough. There are a couple of, of things here that, uh, is it a couple or just the one? Oh, it's just the one. Um, there's one that I, that I don't have anymore, which is a bummer because, and I did everything I could. It, essentially it was the, it was DVD packaging and then I got it on Blu-ray, um, for, for a gift and the Blu-ray packaging for the Lord of the Rings extended edition is very good. But that DVD extended edition packaging was great. Mm. Like each one, it, you know, it, it was, it wasn't plastic. It was like, it was paper or cardboard and each one looked on its spine, looked like a book, like an old weather beaten leather book. Uh, and so you have them up there and, and uh, each one is like a different color, but they're uniform. Uh, and then you open, you, you slide it out uh, of the case and you open it up and there are multiple discs, you know, of the, obviously the movies, but then also special features and the, the, the packaging itself, when you open it up, like everything is just so nicely, it was so nicely like hand drawn and hand painted. And it really, it it captures the essence of what those movies are Um, that this is and what the movies were, which was like this huge event in film going. And now you have like the official extended edition DVDs. And so like every time you wanted to, to watch one, it was a bit of a production to get it. Uh, and 
and yet they would also have like, you know, sketches of certain characters. Uh, and I don't know if they were like storyboard sketches or whatever it was, but it just, it really what every aspect of it to say nothing of the, of the special, special features themselves, um, which are still included on, on the Blu-ray. Mm. Um, everything was just such a celebra- uh, celebration of those movies. Um, and I do remember, and, and the, the, commentaries are just delightful because especially like the actors commentaries, cause there are multiple, uh, there are multiple commentary options. And what they would do is they, rather than have all the actors in one place, they would pair them up. So they've got like mm-hmm. Elijah Wood, Sean Astin and uh, Andy Serkis in one room. They've got Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd in another. Uh, and then they would just cut between whoever was the most inter- gave the most interesting comment. Uh, and then what was fun is when they would have just like one random person by themselves, so they had like, they had Brad Dorif by himself. Uh, and, and it's just, and he's charming and delightful. And I remember he goes, he's talking about how much he loved uh, New Zealand. He goes, New Zealand, it's a great place. They got penguins there for God's sake. And, uh, and that was it. That's, that was his reason for loving New Zealand. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, and again, the Blu-ray edition, it looks really good, the packaging, but it's not it's all one big box as opposed to these three things that were released separately. And each of them just looks, looks so beautiful. And so I was very reluctant to, uh, to get rid of them. In fact, I wanted to move the Blu-rays from this one into the packaging, but the number of discs and the number of slots oh. didn't, uh, didn't match, which really bummed me out. Um, Cause if it matched, I would have done it. You reminded me um, that the, uh, the matrix DVD box that I have for each movie has (laughs) multiple commentaries, including one by critics that aren't like, they don't like the third film. (laughs) Like I love that they included a critics commentary, by the way, we, I am hoping neither of us picked now. I'm, uh, uh, now I don't want to say, because what if you did, um, did you? No, I don't think so. If it's okay. what if it's what entrance? I think you're thinking, no, I didn't. Entr- think okay, yeah, we didn't. The IFC films release of entrance for which you and I provided the critics commentary, and which I would probably find mortifying if I listened to now. Um, oh sure. All right, so my turn. I'm going with another DVD. After that, it's all it's all uh, Blu-rays. I, I'm really kicking myself because you said let's do ten, and I said eh, let's only do five, and now I'm like I have to leave out some like cool shit. Um, we can do another one of these at some point. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so for my number, or these aren't ranked for my next one, I'm going with um, the, I guess it's it, submarine deluxe and music box films release of char uh, something. Ahern. What's his name? Charlie Ahern's 1982 wild style. Hmm. Um, this is the 30th anniversary anniversary digitally remastered edition so i'm guessing that means what 2012 uh it's 1982 2012 is the 30th anniversary yeah yeah um but i don't know if this is this is still uh, in print but wild style is a movie that um is about sort of the hip-hop and graffiti scene but it's a narrative fictional movie that was actually filmed sort of along alongside all of the south bronx scene and then gets into like some um manhattan type stuff too but it's just it's a cool movie and it's got a beautiful packaging that really um uh sells the style you you pull out from the uh the sleeve which has like the graffiti um uh yeah it to the movie you you pull that out and you got the spread of people break dancing which is from the final like concert scene at the end of the movie um and then you pull it out even further to show the um wow main disc and the and the uh the special features disc and you've got the whole um what do you call that like it's like a hollywood ball, like a clamshell yeah, like yeah. park place which is where the um the concert at the end takes place uh you've also got <coughs> a whole uh booklet full of uh like images of actual graffiti from from the time and you've got so many uh, uh, special features. There's over two hours of, uh, of, of extras. So, um, it, yeah, I, uh, I really like this, this, uh, this release. I, I don't really, 
buy DVDs anymore. I'm kind of like in a Blu-ray only uh, zone and I did get rid of some DVDs. I'm glad I hung on to Nosferatu and I definitely hung on to this one. That one wasn't, this yeah. one wasn't going anywhere. All right. Next for me is, uh, I mean, a lot of these are box sets, I guess, if you, if you want to look at it that way. Um, I guess the, the DVDs of Lord of the Rings, those were all purchased separately, but, uh, but thinking about them all in context of each other. Um, but this, I mean, you know, we were talking about James Cameron earlier. Uh, my like number one, uh, oh, hang on. Oh, there we go. Uh, like my number one choice of like the, maybe the best Blu-ray investment I've ever made is the alien anthology. The packaging is great. Uh, it's not flimsy. It feels like a big thick book that you're opening and it's, you know, the first four movies. Um, and then you also get other discs of the making of each one and each making of is like three hours long. And then you will also get the director's cut of each one. And that includes the, uh, the assembly cut of alien three, which was sort of, there was no official director's cut for alien three, but that's about as close as you could get to what David Fincher had in mind. Um, and Within that, they still have, they also have commentaries, and in the case of something like Alien, uh, they have a music only track for Jerry Goldsmith Jerry Goldsmith's intended score, um, and so, cool. so that's really that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, like they, I think one of the things that I, I and this is similar to what I just said about Lord of the Rings, like any DVD or Blu-ray release that really seems to understand that these this is a movie that is important to people. And they really want to delve into the film itself, how it was made, and basically everything about it. And what I like is that at this point, a, the the alien, the creature itself, but also just the alien franchise, is in ki kind of in disarray. And I recognize that that Alien Three was a bit of a mess, and people didn't really really like Alien Resurrection. But for a while, you know, for twenty years, the Alien franchise meant Sigourney Weaver and a relatively new director. And in the case of Alien Resurrection, a, a director that was new to America at the very least. Um, and just, and four very different visions that are still unified in uh, certain concepts. And so I appreciate all four movies and I like that they packaged them this way, that it's these four they never did another one that brought in the alien versus predator movies or Prometheus or anything like that. They recognize like, this is essentially, you know, the Ripley anthology. Mm. Um, and yeah. And also it's what we used when we did our commentaries and you and I both commented at the time, you know, we were watching these movies at like noon in, in my old place where the sun was like at times shining directly on the screen. And even then you and I both commented like, Alien has the first one at the very least, but all of them look great. Like Alien has never looked better. And I've seen it, of course, like VHS DVD. I've seen it in the theater. That Blu-ray is absolutely beautiful. Um, no, I was going to. Oh, OK. Uh, speaking of it. OK, let me ask you something. OK, this is a this is a departure. I don't know if you and Jen are still um, Disneyland annual pass holders. No, and in fact, I Disneyland discontinued that for the the foreseeable future. They're going to bring it back, but uh, but they oh. they stopped that. But we once I started getting like real work, uh, and my schedule wasn't uh, quite so flexible. Um, yeah, we stopped that. But we're gonna we're gonna do it again. We're we're actually setting aside money every month so that we can do it uh, when the boys turn like five, uh, and then uh, we can go with them. Um. Well, this, what I was getting at is when you were, did you have one of those AP stick bumper stickers that I see all over? So, so uh, no, we, they, they gave us one, but we didn't use it. Okay. People who aren't from, I don't know if people in Florida uh, have the same bumper sticker for annual pass holders or whatever, but it says AP with the Mickey ears in the B in the middle, which looks like a V, which looks a like little a V. Bit. And so I, I know what it actually is, but I always imagine a like version of alien versus predator except with like the mickey mouse character like the disney characters like that would be so much better than the actual movie <laughs> i never saw either 
AVP, <laughs> but I think about it every time I'm sure out and literally out. Like there are so many people who are in your annual pass holders. You see that bumper sticker everywhere out here. Yeah. Um, all right. It's my turn again. Yep. Okay. So I didn't, uh, I intentionally didn't like want to go with just, this is special to me because it's out of print, which I could have done for a lot of things, mm-hmm. you, you know, but I did specifically want to highlight, uh, uh, Cinelicious Picks uh, release of two Anya Svarta films, Jane B. Par Anya's V and Kung Fu Master. It's a great set because, and I'm, it's especially spe- special to me because not only is it out of print, like Cinelicious Picks doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is too bad. They were a really super cool uh, operation where they were like a, they did, they did these releases like, like a criterion would, but they also did all their own restorations and stuff in house. They were like both. They were like, uh, uh, you know, a, a remastering company, um, and, uh, and, and a home video distributor. Uh, it was very cool. Uh, I went to back when I used to go to the, um, association of moving image archivists, uh, annual LA symposium, the real thing I went to, um, um, the, those the similar picks people hosted a, a, a seminar on their restoration of the the movie private property which is a super cool movie and i have that blu-ray too but i uh, the jane b paragnus v one because this one like you with the nosferatu or the lord of the rings i could get rid of this because i bought the criterion box the and box that has everything including it, it has both of these movies i could get mm-hmm. rid of it but i love that i have this little set yeah. because it's not because i do have i have other like uh, I love that Criterion's tiny, the tiny, tiny furniture Blu-ray, which has as one of its special features, uh, Lena Dunham's first feature, uh, creative nonfiction. It has a whole other movie as a special feature. I love that. Um, sort of like how the uh, DVD release of the, Th- the Truth About Charlie had charade as the like essentially. Yeah. It was like a flipper disc, those old like DVDs that would flip, um, and it had charade on the other side because that was a also a um, public. Uh, what's it? What would what, you uh, public domain? Thing. Yeah, um, but this isn't that. This is like, yeah, I guess Jane B is first, but this is like a, it's like a double A side. It's like a, a, a split seven inch or whatever. Like these, these are both the main f- event because these movies coexist. They're the two movies that Anya Svarta and Jane Birkin made together. One's a documentary about Jane Birkin, sort of, and one is a movie starring her um, in which she like weirdly has an affair with a child played by Anna Svarta's actual son. Creepy movie. But um, it's just a super cool uh, box set. It had, um, it had a new interview with Anna Svarta uh, at the time, who was obviously since, since passed. Um, uh, so I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get rid of this. It's a, it's a very cool release. Uh Speaking of uh, a DVD set that admittedly not every movie here is being released on Criterion, but um, a few years ago, New Line released uh, a multi-disc set of uh, the films of Harold Lloyd. And up to that point, I I mean, this was probably 15 plus years ago. um, Up to that point, you really couldn't, get his stuff on DVD occasionally on VHS, but his family uh, had held his films very close and really only made them available to occasional film festivals and uh, film schools. That's where I saw a lot of them. And then uh, finally, I think they realized that they were holding on to this and they were running the risk of Harold Lloyd becoming uh, being forgotten uh, especially in light, because you know you're getting a lot of Charlie Chaplin stuff and a lot of Buster Keaton stuff released on DVD, uh, and so as far as just the casual movie consumer and collector, uh, there was nothing f- uh, of Harold Lloyd for them, and so they released this, and it had, I mean, it has a lot of his, it has like all of his major movies, and then a lot of his shorts as well, and the one thing that that is missing from it is a, a, a documentary. I forget if it was the BBC, but uh, there's a documentary many years ago called uh, the third genius. That is all about the life of, of uh, Harold Lloyd. And 
what's interesting is the 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 set the box set is also kind of a, a celebration of Lloyd himself because as he got older, he got very inter, uh, interested in like 3D photography. And so they actually provide a, a pair of 3D glasses uh, that are designed to look sort of like the Harold Lloyd gla character glasses. Um, and then they actually, one of the discs has like some of his photography. So you can put the glasses on and watch and, and look at these photos and they, you know, jump out at you and stuff. And yeah. so, no, Watch out for that, uh, that I beam Harold Lloyd. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so it's just stuff like that. Uh, the, it, it's missing the one thing, the documentary, um, and criterion. And incidentally, I didn't do this on purpose, but maybe unconsciously, uh, I don't have any criterion on my list today. I, I think I, do I. there, there are plenty of things that I absolutely could include. Uh, but what I will say is that uh, Criterion has been doing a pretty good job of uh, acquiring Harold Lloyd's films and making them look great and pairing them with a lot of good special features and putting them out. You got the freshman and safety last and uh, speedy. And then uh, on Criterion channel, I think they had even more, but, uh, but yeah, so this is, Oh, well, you're forgetting um, the one, the Blu-ray I have uh, kid brother. Kid Brother, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember if they've done Girl Shy yet, but that's a good one. That's that's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, so I still have this this uh, collection partially because uh, some uh, it it incorporates some things that aren't available anywhere else yet. Uh, but even even once you know Criterion or or Kino or somebody uh, releases all of these on Blu-ray, I may hold on to this on principle because uh, it's just such a such a nice set and it allowed me to see some lloyd stuff that i did not get to see in film school and so i was very grateful for it yeah i also um um there were so many criterions that i had uh uh picked i'll say with one of my other uh five that i because i got 10 in case we were doing 10 mm. and i did pick the repo man uh box because i just like that it's good looking set. it's so good looking in the booklet is sort of organized it looks like a uh, uh like a zine like a fanzine like it's like a it, yeah it, 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 the whole thing feels very punk and i uh i really like how i like the idea of the the movie the 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 feeling of the movie itself being sort of extended out into the packaging um I also love the three colors uh, box set because uh, it's just so beautiful looking. Yes. But anyway, I didn't pick any. Uh, I'm not saying that. I didn't pick any criterion. Uh, are we on to my next one? Yeah. Uh, we should each have two more left, right? Yep. Yeah. So my next one, sticking with silent film, uh, actually, um, I've got a, a Flickr Alley release. And I did like, I, it was harder to just pick one Flickr Rally than it was to narrow down my criterions. I love flicker alley's stuff um but i decided to go with their nanak of the north release mm. because um that's not actually what it's called it's called nanak of the north the wedding of palo and other films of arctic life so it's uh, I, I like that idea of like I, I guess sort of like I said with the the Jane B not having all these other things is just like special features like being no this is a set it's I mean it's one disc but it's still like a collection of short films um, uh, 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 on the same general subject and and um, and on uh, on um, the the movie Nanak of the North it, itself and everything I like the idea <laughs> of using a famous thing kind of like I did with our, like through the cracks last week, how I was mm -hmm. like, Hey, you like a trip to the moon? You should watch all these other ones. Right. Speaking of which the flick rally trip to the moon, the one that I have, cause they've released it a couple of times is I, I don't have a lot of like, uh, what are called like steelbook Blu-rays. Mm -hmm. I think the only one I can think of that I have, that's like a steelbook, um, presentation is, uh, a trip to the moon. Um, but uh, yeah, I like the idea of using the notoriety of one movie to highlight a bunch of other more obscure stuff. So I had to narrow it down actually between Nanak of the North and, and Flickr. I actually did the same thing for Man with the Movie Camera, which they they didn't release. A, it's the, officially their Blu-ray isn't Man with a Movie Camera. It's called Ziga Vertov, the Man with a Movie Camera, and it's a collection of his uh, films, including a Man with a Movie Camera. Um, I, I, I love that. I just love the 
passion for silent films and very old films that Flickr Alley has. They're yeah. uh, very much on my wavelength. Was it, uh, cause yeah, I, I, uh, reviewed trip to the moon. Uh, it was Flickr Alley. Yeah. They, they did a, a Blu-ray release of a, They've a done couple, a couple of them. A yeah. couple of them, yeah. I don't remember yeah. which one that I, uh, which one I have. Um, but anyway, uh, next up for me is uh, another DVD, and it is the movie uh, Memento. Oh, I'm glad that we I got rid of my five because one of my other five is Memento. It's maddening, but it's so fun, and I love the commitment. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, incidentally, it was so. My last two, there was a tie for both of them. Um, so with this, it was either the Memento DVD or the uh, Manhunter DVD that I had for a while. And both of them, it's the same principle, which is uh, you open it up and there's all kinds of supplemental materials, but it, they're not just like in a booklet. Uh, in the case of the Manhunter DVD, and I do have the the Blu-ray and it's, a, it's beautiful and all that, but it doesn't have this fun little conceit uh, where you open it up and it's like, it looks like a little, a little mini kind of an adorable little mini uh, manila folder with like photos of the tooth fairy. And, yeah. and, and some of them, some of them are like set photos, some of them are behind the scenes photos, whatever it is, I guess that's the same thing. Um, but just packaged in this way. That's like, Oh, that's fun. It's like a, like a police file. And that's very much what the memento thing is as well. Like when you open it, it looks like the file that Leonard is carrying around and there are things that are literally like clipped. Like you could actually lose stuff uh, that are, that are a part of this, but yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm watching you open it right now. And yeah, it's I'm looking just, at it. It's just a bunch, there's a bunch of loof, loose paper. That's like yeah. mental health battery test answer sheet. Yeah. And it's, so the packaging is great and it really, and again, it just, it just gets you in the mood to watch the movie as you're granted, if you're, leafing through it you're probably about to anyway and then when you get when you start the movie there's like various puzzles uh or things that you you know there is kind of a a, a a sort of a mini maze of things to click on to get to the special features to get to the movie itself and i never and remember there's, what there's nothing that? that says there's nothing that says hit this to play to press no. play so there i'm sure there are special features on this that i haven't found uh, that is probably possible. Yes. Um, but, but I think uh, if you, but yeah, if like, we're just in a hurry to watch the movie. I think if you hit C like three or four times in a row, it just plays the movie. Oh, okay. Um, there are multiple choice. So I think if you just answer C, I, I think that was what I learned, uh, eventually is like, just want to watch the movie. If this was fun the first time. Now I just want to watch the movie. And if I, if you just hit C like three or four times, it plays the movie. So, I, so I, I'll, I'll just finish up by saying like, you know, I've been talking about the packaging, but also it's, it's the menu itself. Like that's a lot of fun as well. Um, and I'll, I'll tell this story that, uh, I was, I was, uh, we were going to watch Memento in one of my classes. Um, uh, we were going to be talking about editing, of course. And I brought my copy, uh, to watch and I like threw it in and I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to have to navigate this these menus in front of the whole class and I don't remember what I'm supposed to click on. And so, so I, you know, you're clicking around and thankfully it doesn't look quite so panicked. Uh, everything looks very deliberate in the menu yeah. uh, and the kids don't, they don't know what the hell they're looking at and they don't know like, why is it like this? Um, and then only when you see the movie, do you realize like, Oh, I see what they're, what they're doing here. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it probably took a solid, 45 seconds to a minute longer uh, than it should have uh, because of uh, because they're so everything about the film is uh, about the, the DVD is so on brand. Um, all right. So I'm going to go last. And I, my last one, I decided to tie it into our whole reason for doing this episode, but it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Manhunter because I, I do have Manhunter on Blu-ray, not on its own. I have a three disc set called the Hannibal Lecter collection. That's, uh, Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, and Ridley Scott's Hannibal um, mm. in in one in one little set, which means I own Silence of the Lambs twice over on Blu-ray. <coughs> I also have this twenty thirteen Comic Con only release right. of Silence of the Lambs for three years. Fox um, uh, Fox slash MGM because Fox used to distribute MGM some video stuff. So Fox slash MGM would put out a, a bunch of uh, things that you could only buy. 
quote unquote only buy at Comic-Con or I think in the second t- couple of years you could like buy them online, but only during the days of Comic-Con or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but they were, and they're like, they were, I mean, I'm a sucker for buying them because it's not a new like remaster. There's no new special features. It's literally just the same disc we're already selling that you could buy at Best Buy or Target or whatever, but with artwork that you could only get here. Um, so I, I bought three every year they did it, 2013, 2014, 2015. Um, and uh, I decided to pick one from the first year and I picked 2013. Um, it's got, this is, I feel like 2013 is actually already still like at the tail end of when the whole like minimalist poster design was, yeah. uh, was a trend. So it was already probably a little played out, but it's just got um, uh, a sort of graphic representation of the, like mask but where the grid yeah. is for the mouth it's in the shape of of a moth um that's a nice design uh yeah so the other ones i got the first year were um planet of the apes which literally has just like a sphere planet with like an ape face on it and then i got the day that earth stood still which i haven't looked at the cover of that in so long but i can't even remember what's on it um but uh uh, okay, wait, now I'm going to, to just because this is the Comic-Con inspired episode. Okay. I'm going to try and remember all of the things that I, because I bought three a year for three years, so nine. Oh, my. Okay. I named three already. Silence of the Lambs, Planet of the Apes, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. The second year, well, I got RoboCop. I got Young Frankenstein. Oh, I'm already drawing a blank on... Uh, what the third one is. Um, There's nothing I can do to help you right now. I'm so sorry. No, uh, hold on. Then the final year I got Terminator, the the first Terminator and Super Troopers, I remember. So yeah, I'm missing. Oh, Edward Scissorhands was 2014. Okay, so now I'm just missing one 2015 one. And I'm never going to get it, am I? It's, oh, it's Big Trouble in Little China. All right. I did it. Big Trouble in Little China. What did I say? The other Terminator and Super Troopers. Yeah. I got three a year for three years, and I remembered them all. Go Comic-Con. Indeed. Hashtag SDCC. So my last one, I knew that I wanted to do an Orson Welles-related thing because by and large, regardless of the company, uh, I mean, as a filmmaker, and given what DVDs and Blu-rays are in regards to special features and stuff. I mean, he's just a treasure trove. Um, like I remember bef- before I had the Criterion Othello, I had this really nice DVD that also that's, has a special feature about restoring Othello. Uh, it's like a whole documentary uh, about that. Um, and I think that's on the Criterion as well. But uh, so I was like, there's just so many options. Um, I decided not to, so it was like a three-way tie. Uh, between Citizen Kane, which is a really beautiful Blu-ray release, and it features that RKO 281 and the battle, uh, the the battle over Citizen Kane, which is the uh, American Experience uh, documentary, and so it's like everything you need to know about uh, the making of Citizen Kane, uh, Mank excluded. Yeah, they, um, need, they need to re-release it with Mank yeah. as a special well, feature. You have to watch those three things for Mank to make any sense to you <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, so. Uh, anyway, uh, so it was that or, and then second place is the, is a criterion, which is Mr. Arcaden, which has a few different things. It has the benefit of multiple cuts, you know, the uh, multiple different versions. Uh, there's the version that you and I saw on VHS called confidential report. Uh, and then there's another version of Mr. Arcaden, and then there's what is seen as the official version. And all of those are available, along with a novelization that is credited to Orson Welles that he himself said, I have no idea who wrote this. Um, <laughs> but it's credited to him. So that, but I think what I ultimately landed on is the Touch of Evil Blu ray, um, which has, of course, the re edit and it has mm-hmm. the theatrical cut. And it actually has uh, another cut that I think was, I don't remember, I haven't seen it. Uh, but there are three cuts theatrical, the, who's it? Walter Murch that recut it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and then there was another one that I think was like a film festival cut or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but anyway. Uh, and so it's just fun to watch the theatrical. Cause I just rewatched 
both the theatrical and the Walter Murch uh, re-edit. They're both great. And if you're a film fan and you want to know just how vital editing is um, and just how much it can completely change a movie, granted, the tone of Touch of Evil is still the same. The story is still basically the same. But man, there's just such a different emphasis on on different things uh, when you watch one or the other. Uh, and then also you can read, it comes, uh, I'm get. I might get, I might be getting this mixed up with the DVD version that I had, but the, the 58 page memo that, uh, Orson Welles wrote to the studio when he saw what the, their version and he said, Hey, uh, which is the memo that Walter Murch would refer to, uh, to do his yeah. edit. <clears throat> yeah. That was definitely on the DVD. I remember Excuse because me. it was like, uh, it wasn't like in the booklet. It was like a still gallery type of view. Yeah. Like you scrolled through it on the DVD. I remember doing that. In yeah. And department. in this case, I think it might be, I, I wish that I had all of these in front of me uh, like That's you do, but, uh, but yeah. And so, but you can read, I've read that memo and it's fascinating. It's fascinating to read. Cause I mean, Wells could be quite a, quite a wordsmith, although not with that Mr. Arcaden book. Um, he, <laughs> and you, you read that memo. It is, I mean, you can, if you know Wells and you know about his, his attitude towards studios, you can see just the barely contained contempt and fury as he realized, like, I need to be nice. I need to be cordial. I need to be charming as I ask them to do what I want them to do because they have the power and I don't. And so you read it and just like every word is just so meticulously chosen. And, and again, it's 58 pages long. So like every choice is so meticulous and you can just tell like, like, Oh man, it, it probably killed him to write this thing this way. He could probably have gone on much longer if he wrote it the way he wanted to. Um, But watching him be, diplomatic and knowing that in the end it didn't make any difference is, is an interesting thing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, we, we, we did it. We, we talked about some, some Blu-ray releases. I'm looking forward to watching some of these things. Yeah. I, um, until you mentioned Manhunter, I forgot that I had Manhunter and Hannibal on Blu-ray. And now I'm like, I haven't watched, I've never seen, um, Manhunter on Blu-ray, and I haven't seen Hannibal like since I like it was a probably a VHS new release. Maybe I saw it on DVD. Um, what's Hannibal yeah. like? Two thousand one. Um, two thousand, I think. Two thousand. Okay. Yeah, I might have seen it on DVD. Um, I might. Yeah, I might find time to. I don't have any time, but if I did have time in real life, uh, I, I don't know if like what little time you, I don't know if what little time you have is best spent watching Hannibal. But it's still Ridley Scott, right? It is. And you know what? Admittedly, it's a visually gorgeous movie. It, it looks yeah. really beautiful. Um, I forgot um, that... I'm, not, I'm trying to remember what Ray Liotta's character's name is. He gets his... Krendler. Uh, uh, Paul Krendler. Yeah. Yes. Because I, um, uh, I don't know if you remember on Hannibal, the, the, the series, mm. Cynthia Nixon played that role, and her name was Katie Purnell, which is an anagram of Paul mm. Krendler. I never put that together. Oh, now that's a sh- now that's something to rewatch. Is that whole show? Um, yeah, I find t- TV I uh, can rewatch a little bit easier because it's a, yeah. only a forty-three minute commitment at a time or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, this has been fun. You can find us at battleshippretension.com. Um, this week, you can find uh, my review of the new Benoit Jaco film Casanova: Last Love, which I'm a big proponent of benoit jaco i tend to proselytize for benoit jaco whenever yeah, i can I, but uh, i read that review of yours yeah that movie <laughs> sucks but you yeah. can't win them all this guy i mean this guy's a very prolific filmmaker yeah uh, he'll get him next time i guess um which i guess i mean he's already finished his next film um <laughs> but my review of casting over last love is up at battleshipretention.com uh you can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension and also make sure to listen to the one where i met your mother the podcast where my wife and i uh talk about new episodes of how i'm uh, or not episodes new episodes we compare episodes of friends and how i met your mother um Oh, we're still in season one. So check that out. You can find it at battleshipretension.com. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, what do you have to plug? 
Uh, nothing right now. I had big plans for uh, this weekend, but uh, I was taking care of the kids by myself and I was sick. Uh, that one, two punch means that I did absolutely nothing um, except keep them alive and sleep. So, um, and frankly, I wish I could say that that was always the, that was the, always the order of priorities, but it wasn't. Um, I'm joking. Of course, uh, <laughs> my kids are very important to me. It occurs to me. You never quite know if right. someone, uh, you never quite know who's listening and, uh, yeah. the adoption has not actually been finalized yet. So, oh, right. um, so anyway, uh, that is a joke. I love yes. my kids very much. And this was actually a really wonderful weekend, but I am exhausted. That's, that's a lot. Uh, well, uh, hopefully you're not exhausted after listening to this, but if you are, the good news is we're done. So thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 